Hello, I'm attorney Jay Ruane. While our law firm has traditionally focused on criminal defense issues, there is one area of law that intertwines regularly with criminal defense, and that is civil rights litigation. Luckily, we have attorney Dan Lage in our office. And for this reason, we'll have Dan go over your civil rights and how you can protect them. Dan is an accomplished civil rights lawyer, known throughout the state as a fierce protector of your rights. This season will be a treat for anyone who wants to know more about how our laws are designed to protect us. And now, my partner and head of our civil rights division, Attorney Dan Lage. Thank you, Jay. Welcome to the Connecticut Criminal Law Podcast, Season 6. I'm Attorney Dan Lage. I'd like to start out by saying this is not a podcast for lawyers. It's a podcast for real people from a lawyer. And here we are. It's the year 2020. Civil rights law is prominently featured in the national discourse in ways we've never seen before. The constitutional rights of citizens in the backdrop of racial inequality and law enforcement misconduct, governmental overreach, they are all critical to our understanding as we attempt to find solutions to remedy injustice. Now, even in the beginning of our great country, it was one giant battle for civil rights. The colonists were initially subjected to warrantless searches by the parliament for smuggled goods, and then those goods would be confiscated without any hearing. Arbitrary, oppressive taxes, they were imposed without any due process. You might have learned about this stuff in school. Free speech, we enjoy that today, but the British king from the 1700s didn't quite tolerate that. A war was waged by our founding fathers in the name of freedom and justice. The Declaration of Independence of 1776, one of the establishing documents of the United States of America, was clear. All men are created equal, and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Imagine hearing those words when you were an American soldier in 1776. George Washington comes by. He reads them aloud. You'd probably feel pride because you knew that what you were fighting for was a noble cause. You might be excited because the concept of a free nation without a tyrannical ruler was within reach. But imagine hearing those words as an enslaved black person or an indigenous person being driven from your homeland or a woman or an immigrant seeking to share in that opportunity, but not quite so welcome. The words of the Declaration of Independence and those in the Bill of Rights written some 15 years later into our Constitution, they were powerful to them too, but they weren't quite so within reach. And now today we live in a country that has made much progress, no doubt, in upholding the promise of the Declaration of Equal Rights and Equal Liberties for everybody. The Bill of Rights applies to all of us, despite race, gender, age, nationality. But the Civil Rights Act outlaws discrimination as well. It requires equality for everyone in the eyes of the government, in public places, in schools, in the workplace. The disenfranchised, the outnumbered, the disabled, the different, the outcasts, they've all fought their own respective revolutions to guarantee equality in this country. But despite all that hard-fought progress, Today, civil rights and liberties that were promised continue to be violated. And when that happens, lawyers like me file lawsuits and we enforce and protect those rights and liberties and we recover damages. That means money for people who have suffered as a result. People face this on a daily basis. 
Many of us have undergone discriminatory treatment. The ideals that the Declaration of Independence was meant to uphold sometimes result in very, very serious and damaging consequences. If you were to file a civil rights lawsuit, what what would that look like? Well, sometimes it's not a lawsuit at all. It's a claim filed by your lawyer with a government administrative agency. But most often, lawsuits alleging a violation of federally guaranteed rights is brought under a federal law commonly called Section 1983. That was created by the Civil Rights Act of 1871. Your civil rights lawsuit can be brought either in state court or federal court, and there are important considerations to both places. The way a lawsuit is filed is by delivering a public document to the court. That's called a complaint. A complaint tells the story of the case to the court and puts whoever it was that violated your civil rights on notice of when and how they broke the law when they violated those rights. The complaint also tells the court what it is that you're asking for and why under the law you should get it. Once you file that document, you officially become a plaintiff in a lawsuit. And the party responsible for violating your rights, they become the defendant. Now, the defendant can either file what's called a motion to dismiss, which argues to the court that for certain legal reasons, the lawsuit shouldn't even be heard. Or they can file a document called an answer, which responds to your claims in the complaint and sets out some preliminary legal defenses. But as with any civil rights lawsuit, the longest process is something called discovery. During discovery, which can take between several months and sometimes a year or more, the parties exchange information in order to establish or strengthen their respective cases. This makes sense, right? I mean, in order to be fair, but also for the plaintiff's cause. You may have information in your possession that helps prove your case, but almost certainly does your opponent. The reason this process takes so long is because documents need to be gathered, reviewed, produced. Potential witnesses need to be scheduled to provide depositions and pretrial investigation needs to take place. Now, as the case is being developed, the parties can engage in settlement discussions. And of course, an agreement to settle the case will end the case entirely. And any consideration of that settlement should be taken seriously. Either party can ask the court to throw some of the case out or all of the case out on legal grounds. And that's called a motion for summary judgment. If the case survives the summary judgment and no settlement can be reached, then your civil rights case is headed for trial. At trial, my favorite part, lawyers make opening arguments to the jury. It outlines their case. Or it tells the judge if the parties have agreed not to have a jury. It tells the judge what the case parameters are. The plaintiff goes first. The plaintiff presents evidence to the judge or the jury to prove that the defendant violated the plaintiff's protected rights. Now, what what does that evidence look like? Well, it can include documents, exhibits, witness testimony. The defense presents its case after the plaintiff has finished. And then when the defendant's done, the plaintiff can present something called a rebuttal case. The lawyers then make closing arguments to convince the judge or the jury why their side should win followed, of course, by a verdict after the judge or the jury has had an opportunity to consider all of the evidence. So there you have it. The history of civil rights, 
and what the lawsuit might kind of look like when it's filed. Thank you all for listening to the first episode in our civil rights series. Now that you have an idea of that historical background and the general process of filing a lawsuit, coming up next, I'm going to discuss some more specific concepts of civil rights law, beginning with episode two, which talks about what kinds of civil rights lawsuits you might file. I'll see you then.